I'm Deidre. And I'm Chelsea. And we're giving you a million murders. Flawless. <laughs> I don't know. We just done found. We found the key. We just do the key. Girl, I don't have the key. We we just but we were we're in a key. We're in a key and we've picked it. I'm on all I was talking about the key of life. <laughs> um listen. <sighs> oh y'all, it's been a struggle. How are you all? We hope you all good. are. Oh well. somebody answered. <laughs> somebody answered. Yes, how are you? I'm good. F- glad to be on I'm like, this vacation. Just fake smiling. I'm great. <laughs> Everything's great. <laughs> Oh, oh man, life is great. <laughs> you know, we're still alive. Okay, yeah, we're still breathing. That's we're all still, that matters. We're still yes. in the land of the living. Yes, listen, times are gonna be hard sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. but you just gotta keep on pushing. Keep on keeping on. Go to therapy. Find your friends. Talk to your friends. All the things. Mm-hmm. I'm not in therapy. I should be anyway. So today, <laughs> today. My stories are going to be close calls with serial killers, mm. part two, part two, part dos. Yes. What's part in Spanish? Parte dos. I don't know. I don't know. I've never looked it up. Mm. But that's what we, that's what we doing on tonight, on today. Okay. So another one. Another one. So Michael Gargiulio, also known as the Hollywood Ripper. Murdered three to ten people. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, he's... Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. Originally, Michael was from Glenf- Glenview, Illinois. His first suspected victim was his neighbor, Trisha Picaccio. And she was 18 years old when she was found by her father on their back doorstep stabbed to death. Mm. Yeah, like... 18 years old. Okay, so that's who the first person they think... What like was they, his victim? Yeah, like mm-hmm. he, they they're pretty sure that he killed her first. He would later move to Los Angeles in 1980, 1998, sorry, where he would later commit two murders and an attempted murder in Southern California between 2001 and 2008. Ugh. Okay. So then, so back in 2001, so you know, he was there 0108 mm-hmm. back in 2001, Ashton Kutcher had met, yes. Okay. So these are oh all of these are going to be celebrities except like the last one. Mm-hmm. So just like the last one I did, but these are all going to be all but one okay. are celebrities run-ins with serial killers. So, okay. So Ashton Kutcher. Hey, Ashton. Hey. He had met a woman named Ashley Ellerin and he had asked her out for drinks. And the night of their date, Ashton had called her around 830 to let her know that he was going to be picking her up at 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then. P.M.? PM. Yes. Oh wow. It's LA. It must be an LA thing cuz I'm be like you pick me up at 10 o'clock at night for drinks like it's <laughs> too late. In bed. <laughs> I'm unconscious. I'm in bed by 6. We talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so he was going to pick her up at 10 o'clock. Well, then he called her back at some point and said he was running behind, but she never picked up the phone. Did she pick up the first time? Mhm. Okay. Yeah, so they had talked. He said, "Okay, around 8:30 they talked. He said, "I'll pick you up at 10." Then he called back a little later to let her know he was running behind. And that's when she didn't answer. 
So then he arrived around 10. So he was late. He was late, late. 10.45. Oh, dang. So he was running like almost an hour behind. I don't know what happened. Bastion, what are you doing? But he was running late. But he called. He tried to call and tell her, right? But when he got there, she never answered the door. And he looked in the window and saw fresh red wine stains on the carpet. And he just left because he figured she just didn't want to answer the door because he was so late. Is it red wine, though? I don't know. Oof. I was trying to figure out if that's what, like, if she was just sitting having a glass of wine mm-hmm. waiting on him or, and it was spilled or if it was actually blood, I don't know. But meanwhile, she had already died and was laying on the bathroom floor um, and she had 47 stab oh wounds. Oh my word. Yes. Like he's, like they call him a ripper for a reason. Like just imagine if he didn't run late and he got murdered too. Right. Well, see that. Or if it would have saved her. Right. I mean, like she wouldn't have gotten killed. Yeah. I think. It could have went either way. Yeah. And I think it was kind of almost inevitable. Yeah. Like he must have been stalking her or something. So I think that he probably would have died too. Yeah. Is what would have happened. Because what's even scarier is that the killer, the Hollywood Ripper, this Michael guy, was mm-hmm. most likely still at the scene of the crime when he knocked on the door. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he, like, peered in, saw that, and he was like, she's probably mad at me, and left. Um, but she probably, I don't know when he called her to tell her he was running behind, but he probably, she probably couldn't answer. Yeah. Not, didn't answer. Didn't, yeah. Or she missed the call, and then by the time she realized it, she was already, you know, in danger so who knows but so that happened in 2001 Mm -hmm. then december 1st 2005 he stabbed his 32 year old neighbor named Mm -hmm. maria bruno to death in her home Mm -mm. yeah and then he would go on to attempt to murder another neighbor 26 year old michelle murphy in her santa monica home in april of 2008 Mm. so he's like Got this murdering neighbors thing. I don't know if he was a neighbor to Ashley or if he was stalking her or uh-huh. what happened. Huh. But, yeah. So, she was able to fight back and DNA matching Michael's blood was found at the scene. And Ashton Ashton was a big help to the case because he helped establish a timeline for the murder of Ashley. Mm-hmm. And testified at his trial. Um, and he was sentenced to death in 2021 in California, and he may be extradited and convicted in Illinois for the charges against him for the murder of his neighbor, uh, Trisha Picaccio, which would be a sentence of 25 years to life. Mm. Yeah. So they got him on, you know, the things mm-hmm. they got him on all the stuff, yeah. but then he was tried and convicted in California. And then they were like, you know, and I was looking because this was obviously like two years ago, but mm-hmm. I checked and I still don't see anything about him being extradited yeah. to Illinois. So it could happen. It may not. But either way, he's going to jail yeah. like he's sentenced to death. So that is the run in with Ashton Kutcher and a murderer. Mm-mm. Yes. So the next one is Woody Harrelson. So for some people who may not know who Woody Harrelson is, I feel like Ashton Kutcher was one that people our age all know. Yeah. Chelsea's looking a little wondering, but you know who he is. He's Woody from Cheers. Mm. For some of us that are a little bit older, we know Cheers, Woody. He was like the lovable kind of, you know, 
not so book smart guy, you know, but lovable. It's me. Who were, I'm done. I'm Woody. <laughs> no, who worked at Cheers. And he was Tallahassee from Zombieland for the younger generation. So Woody has had many close encounters with the murderer. Mm-hmm. His father, Charles Hare. Many. Oh. Many. Many a time. Snap, crackle, pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's had a lot of encounters because his father, Charles Harrelson, was known to be a violent thief and hitman. Ooh. Yeah. He was involved in dozens of murders, mm. including one of a federal judge, where he used a sniper rifle instead of a handgun, like most murders with a firearm. So, like, he's like, okay, he's got a sniper rifle. He's killing judges. He ain't playing. No. Okay. He also claimed to be a part of the Kennedy assassination. Ooh. Yeah. What? You know? Charles also said that Lee Harvey Oswald, who was charged with the assassination, mm-hmm. was too far away to make the shot that killed Kennedy. He obviously, you know, would have more experience with this than others. Yeah. So, yeah, he's like, it wasn't him. He was too far away to make that shot. But he th- he says that he's like one of these three people that was on the grassy knoll that day. Mm-hmm. And apparently there's like this conspiracy theory about... There were three men on the grassy knoll, and it has something to do with the assassination. I didn't look into that, mm-hmm. but that was also something that he has admitted to. Hmm. So, I don't know. But, you know, who knows? <laughs> so, Woody was seven when his father was convicted of his first murder. And so, Woody would later visit his father in prison as he got older. So, he didn't really have him around mm-hmm. as a kid. And he told People Magazine that even though he is a convicted murderer... His dad is one of the most articulate, well-read, charming people he's ever known, and that he looks at him as someone who could be a friend more than someone who was a father. That's sad. Yeah. You know, it's like he, so they had a relationship and, you know, but his daddy was a, was a hit man and hit. He hit. He be hitting. He be hitting. <laughs> okay. He miss. He hit. <laughs> he don't miss. He don't miss. Like, okay. So... Obviously, that's terrible, being a hitman, you know, murder for hire. We don't agree with that. Mm -mm. But anyway, okay. So the next one is Sean Penn. Okay, now he... sounds familiar. Yep, and I did not put anything that he was in. So his brother was Chris Penn, who passed away. Is it P-E-N-N? Yeah. He's been in, like, The Interpreter, which I feel like was a movie that kind of flopped, but I loved the interpreter. Uh, Sean Penn was in, oh, there's something big he was in. If I'm getting my facts yeah. right. Mystic River, I Am Sam, First Times. I Am Sam. Ridgemont High, Into the Wild. Yes, Fast Times at Ridgemont High then, with Keanu Reeves, right? Fast Times at Ridgemont High with Keanu Reeves? Yeah, I think that's her. Or am I thinking of Bill and Ted's? I don't know. Anyway, I don't <laughs> Stacey Hamilton. I'm starting to get everything all messed. Wait, did you say Jennifer Lee? Uh-uh. I said Keanu Reeves. Oh. Jennifer Lee and Phoebe Cates. Okay. Are in Fast Times? Yeah. Yeah. So Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I haven't seen it, but I know it's a popular movie. People probably know him from that. So, okay. So, Sean Penn. Sean um, He's been around for a minute. Um, yeah, he don't. I am Sam. I forgot about I am Sam. So anyway, so he was arrested for punching an extra on the set of the movie Colors in 1988. 
Yeah, this was a time in Sean's life where he was like getting arrested frequently, mm-hmm. like he was in and out of trouble. And after the attack that happened with the extra, a judge sentenced him to 60 days in the county jail. Oh. But this is California. So when he arrived, he found Richard Ramirez was housed there as well. So for those who don't know much about Richard Ramirez, he was a serial killer and rapist named the Night Stalker. So not to be confused with the Golden State Killer, who was originally called the original Night Stalker. This is just the Night Stalker. What did you remember on important stuff? Okay, listen. So he committed over 20 crimes ranging from murder, kidnapping, rape, and beatings. Yeah, he was wild. Like, what on earth? It was terrible. And he was famously captured by being spotted on the street by a group of elderly Hispanic women yelling El Matador, which literally translate to the killer in Spanish Mm -mm. and being chased by dozens of citizens. Because we cut you cover this. Mm -hmm. Well, I haven't covered him. Oh, you haven't covered him? No, but I think there was a run in with him on one that I did before or something like that. That or you were just telling me. We were telling it. Yes. So through the streets of Boyle Heights, and he was beaten. Like, yeah, beaten. they like were not playing. Like, the cops, the police literally saved him from the mob of angry residents mm-hmm. in the area. Like, they had had it. They were like, we're not doing this anymore. And, yeah, these ladies were like, the killer, the killer. And everybody was like, get him. Get him. And they got him. <laughs> they did, didn't they? Yes, honey. It was a whole thing. So I those policemen did not want to say. <laughs> I know. I mean, but it's like, the, it's you, like you know, you got to do what you got to do. But they, you know, sometimes you just want to let them get got he had done some terrible things unspeakable things like he kidnapped a child once it was just terrible it was all over the place and he was just like it wasn't like he was just going in and killing people like he oh it's you know anyway we'll get into it maybe i'll do it but it's gruesome and he had a dark life too like his uncle came back from vietnam who obviously had issues from the war brought them to him kind of mm, it's anyway Enough about Richard Ramirez. We're we're back to Sean Penn Mm -hmm. being around Richard Ramirez. So when Sean was in prison, he would see Richard from afar. But after about a month of seeing him around, a guard gave Sean a note. And according to Sean, the note said, Hey, Sean, stay tough and hit them again. Richard Ramirez, 666, with a pentagram and a drawing of the devil. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, that was his thing. He was all about, like... Worshipping the devil. Yeah. But like, not like, but like for real, for real. So Sean replied to the letter and he said, you know, Richard, it's impossible to be incarcerated and not feel a certain kinship with your fellow inmates. Well, Richard, I've done the impossible. I feel absolutely no kinship with you. And I hope gas descends upon you before sanity does. You know, it would be a kinder way out. He brave. He's really brave. Because he could have just yeah. got got. Yeah. In prison. I guess because he's a celebrity, he had like more protection, I'm assuming. Yeah. Because he was that. famous at this point, but still, that's bold. That is bold. Like, I I could I not could say <laughs> that I'm going to tell somebody that I hope they die, basically, Mm-mm. and that I have no kinship towards him. I mean, how? I don't know. Anyway. So that was Sean Penn's run in with uh, Richard Ramirez and in the county jail. So in the county jail, in jailhouse. <laughs> I thought you said in jail, like in jail. Oh no, in, in the jailhouse. 
<laughs> oh my God. So yep, that was his. Now Dennis Wilson is my next one and he's the drummer of the Beach Boys and brother of lead singer Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. So Dennis became friends with um, Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people know about this, but I didn't like, I kind of knew about this, but there's some things I didn't know. So I yeah, went ahead and threw I, it on in. I think it was morbid um, that I listened to the yes, episode on it. Probably. Because they good. did. It was back when it, for me, you and Sarah were on rough line at the warehouse. Yes. Back in the day. And back in the day. Yeah, it was really good. Yes. Yep. They did. They did a whole thing on Charles Manson. So this was a part of it. So, but if you're new to true crime mm-hmm. and you're, you know, we're the first true crime podcast you've ever listened to, which I find hard to believe, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. know who's listening out there. You may not have heard of Charles Manson. So if you haven't, he was a cult leader of the Manson family. He instructed his followers to try and start a race war by murdering nine people, including Sharon Tate, who was eight months pregnant. And Sharon Tate was a famous actress back in the 60s. She was married to Roman Polanski at the time. Which we now know, you know, he was kind of sketchy. Like, he mm-hmm. had an underage wife, and he moved to, like, Switzerland, or he moved out of the country, and we can't get him now. But yeah. anyway. So, in 1969, Dennis Wilson picked up a group of women hitchhiking who were a part of the Manson family. He ended up partying with them and meeting Charles. And soon after, he was helping Charles meet people in the music industry, including Terry Melcher, who had previously lived in the house... Sharon Tate lived in at the time the Manson family broke in and murdered her Mm -hmm. along with several other friends. So probably they were coming to kill Terry and then Terry had moved and Mm -hmm. Sharon and Roman had bought the house. Sharon! (laughs) I can't. I can't. Ozzy. So Terry Melcher rewrote Manson's song, Cease to Exist, as Never Learn Not to Love. And it was released on the B-side of one of the Beach Boys' records. I didn't know it ever got released. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I forgot. I don't I know. I mean, I'm only, like, knowing because Cause of the thing. Because I listened to that episode, too, of Morbid. And I guess I forgot that it actually got published. So, anyway. Or released. Published. I don't know. Whatever. So, <laughs> Dennis's cousin said things took a turn when Dennis witnessed... Charles killing a man with an assault rifle and dumped the body down a well. Mm-mm. Yeah. Afterwards, he wanted no part of Charles. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, get out of there. Okay. He wanted no part of Charles or the Manson family, but some of them were already living in his home and he eventually just abandoned the home. Like he just, mm-hmm. like they were already living there. He said, forget like, it. I, and he just never went back. It. Yeah. Um, I don't, remember I feel like they could never they've never been able to get Charles Manson on a murder that he personally committed you know it was like he influenced other people to murder so maybe he was murdering people too and this is one of the ones that they never could catch him on and who knows but Dennis Wilson says that that happened and he confided in his cousin and his cousin told somebody and now we know. <laughs> so, we know. you know, but what's sad is Dennis actually died from alcoholism mm. and he was, but he was a really great swimmer. And I don't remember if he was intoxicated or not, but he 
had dropped a picture. I think him and his wife or ex-wife or ex-girlfriend got in a fight and she threw a picture off of a boat that was docked at like a marina or something. Mm -hmm. And so he was a really good swimmer. So he dove down into the water to get it. He ran out of air and hurried up and tried to come back up. I think he hit the bottom of the boat with his head and he drowned or Mm. something happened, but he drowned. And that was, you know, really sad. That's how he passed away. Yeah. Just Debbie Downer. So the next one I have is about the Hillside Stranglers, Mm. which, you know, they were plaguing Los Angeles in 1977 and 1978 by raping, abducting and murdering 10 young women and girls and almost murdered a movie star's daughter as well. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they just out here grabbing everybody. So in November of 1977, they approached 24 year old Catherine Lore Barker Baker. <laughs> Why did I have to yell Baker? Catherine Lore Baker. They checked her identification and noticed a picture of Catherine sitting in her father's lap. Actor Peter Lore. They go. They let her go so they wouldn't bring too much attention to themselves. Mm-hmm. By killing a celebrity's daughter. Peter Lore's most famous role, and probably what they knew him for, was the film M, where he plays a serial killer. Wow. Yeah. So, like, you're out here murder. You're out here. You're out here murdering people, and then you get this woman in your car, and then you open it up, and it'd be like you were about to kill. I don't know. I'm trying to think of somebody who. You know, like Bruce Willis's daughter or, I don't know, insert like Gwyneth Paltrow. You've like tried to kill Gwyneth Paltrow's daughter or something like that. And it's like this huge actress of the time. And that was what happened. And they saw the picture and they let her go. Not crazy? Yes. But how scary is that? That Like, So, you know, that was a celebrity run in. Peter Lore's daughter, which I know not a lot of us know Peter Lore. I don't think I, I've heard his name, but I don't think I know him. But I thought it was interesting and wanted to keep it in there because he played a serial killer and then serial killers almost killed his daughter. Like, so this next one came from a post online. I just started looking like run-ins with serial killers. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to find some stories, some more stories. And this one is just from an everyday woman. And uh, her name is Kate J. Harold Hudson. So here's her story. And it's in the 70s, too, of course, because the 70s was a crazy time. Kate Hudson as in the actor? Mm Mm-mm. Oh. No. uh, She's got like a whole Kate J. Harold Hudson. But um, it was around 1977 or 1978. Of course, I'm going to be reading this in like first person through her. I can't remember for sure. But I was a police explorer at the time. I have no clue what that is. A, poli- a police explorer? Yeah. Well, this is a, a police explorer. Hmm. I don't know. Um, Florida was holding a statewide police explorer competition in Tallahassee, Florida. And my group was attending this competition. There were about 10 of us, along with a couple of chaperones and police officers from our town. We were staying at a large chain hotel, along with hundreds of others, from around Florida. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not even going to say what it says because I can't, obviously. Anyway, I was in the room with three other girls. We were all sitting by the sliding glass door as most of the other teams around the courtyard surrounding the pool. 
And all of a sudden, a man came out of nowhere. He was completely naked, and he jumped in the pool and swam a couple of laps, then got out and started walking back toward our room. <laughs> this man is out here running around naked, walking towards these girls' room. These are like underage girls, so it's creepy. You know, it's bad. So all of the girls were screaming and running in every direction, causing our advisors and chaperones to run into the room. And the man took off running while still naked and no less than 10 to 15 cops in hot pursuit. They chased him across a busy highway. And unfortunately for him, he took a wrong turn and was apprehended in a handball court. The cops brought him back to the courtyard for us girls to identify. The cops told us to look for his clothes, what? which we did. And we found a Navy suit and nice leather shoes neatly folded in some of the landscaping around the pool near our room. One of the local cops who was doing the arrest said it was a shame that this man did what he did because he was apparently Irish and so was the cop. So the cop's being ratchet. He's like, it's too bad because he's Irish and I'm Irish. Like, okay, who cares? <laughs> well, like, why does it matter? You know, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> so the man's name or the name he gave the cops was Mundy. Yeah. I remember, sta yeah, like, okay. I remember the man, I remember standing very close to the man. He was tall and very handsome, wavy brown hair and piercing blue eyes. I just remember thinking how incredibly handsome this man was and why would such a nice looking man do something so bizarre? He was very charming and had a beautiful smile. He kept smiling at me and the other girls. We were 15, 16, and 17 years old. Turns out this man gave a false name. His real name was Ted Bundy. Soon after returning home, within a few days or a couple of weeks, we saw on the news about Ted Bundy. We realized the man around the pool, who was not who he said he was, that had given a false name, was 100% Ted Bundy, not Mundy. I say that sometimes. What, Ted Mundy? No, like, it's Mundy. Oh. <laughs> Is it a Monday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, so he was saying, oh, my name's Ted Mundy, we mm. idiot. Why? Mm. Why would you? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so we were, we kept expecting a phone call from the local police or someone, but we didn't. So I'm not sure the local cops ever put two and two together. Yeah. The man probably was released after a quick appearance before a magistrate. I later learned Ted Bundy was in Tallahassee at that particular time after escaping prison in another state, which is when he, I think that was the time that he jumped out of the courthouse, the window. Yeah. The window in the courthouse. And then I think that was when he ended Run. up down there. Yeah. Cause the first time he escaped from jail mm -hmm. and went somewhere, got caught, went back. Then he was going to trial, I guess. And then that was in Colorado, I think anyway. So, yeah, he escaped prison from another state and went on to kill women in the Florida area and was apprehended soon afterward. So that was yeah. when he went to the Cal Omega house um, at the University of Florida and all that happened. So he was just like out here acting a hot mess, mm -hmm. acting a fool. But listen, he like, I don't know, he did some like pedophilic yeah. things too, like with his girlfriend's daughter that we didn't know about but I watched this documentary they were talking about it and I'm like you know you thought that he was just terrible anyway but then it just kept getting yeah, worse. worse I'm like how mm -hmm. much more terrible can this man become but anyway so those are my stories of close close calls close calls close calls close calls with serial killers that was good 
I really liked these. I thought they were, I thought they were interesting. You may disagree. Interesting. Don't tell me if you do. Yeah, she can't take it. Uh, listen, I just have a sensitive heart. Okay? I love the haters. I don't. I love everybody. I mean, I love everybody, but if you're going to be know, a hater, I, just I don't. I love it. I'm just like, Don't worry about it. No, stop. You're going to egg them on and they're going to be blowing our stuff up and I, my heart will break. Okay, so if you love us. You can't get me down, boo. <laughs> I stay high up. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm done. I'm like, no, no, we know that is not true. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, so if you would like, you can send us an email at a million murders at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. And you can hop on to our Insta. Yes. Look at the pictures of the cases that we cover or the. Or our beautiful artwork. Yes. Deidre's <laughs> beautiful artwork because Chelsea don't contribute to that. <laughs> come on, come um, on, Canva. So, yeah, you can do that. And you can go to our Facebook page and Facebook group because we have both. Yes. And interact there if you have questions, cons- concerts. <laughs> if you have questions, comments, concerns, and you don't have an email or it's just easier, you know, whatever. And you can... Start up conversations with people on there, too. Yeah. Okay, so. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. And we hope that you come back for a million million more. more. Bye.